good people here, but uh, uh, but that's easy. There up. he is. Carl, here he is. Oh, look at him. I was having so much fun on the gym floor, I didn't realize what the time was. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I was like, oh, lucky bunny of mine. He's like, man, are you on a webinar? I was I'm like, the chat. <laughs> Have we got Woody today as well? Where's no, oh, yeah. Well, he unfortunately here to drop out uh, last minute. Um, but oh, the wood. Yes, it'll be just us right now. Um, I'm gonna. We're gonna go live. Um, good to. You just got in in time, Carl. Just got in in time. <gasps> How's it feel to be well, number one? How is it feeling to be back? Kind of now. Not, there's a couple things back. You got football back. How does that feel? You got the gyms opening up. How are we feeling? Well, I, I can't speak for anyone else, but I'm fucking pumped about it. <laughs> oh, then you just need to speak for all of us, mate. That's exactly what we're back, baby. Oh, back to to connect with people again, to do what you love. Fuck, I've missed it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. You know? I, I couldn't. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't go through another week of doing online sessions, boys. I was uh, I was going a little bit yeah. insane, either uh, yeah, talking to a screen or. Or trying to coach somebody to a camera like it was uh yeah just not the same as getting back in there so we're up and about Obviously, yeah sorry, I, I yeah absolutely and i think it's it's like uh two sides to it right both both parties as in the the coaches slash pts realize something and the the members and athletes realize something the coaches and yeah. pts realize that for those of us who had the vision and dream of actually being face to face with people and owning a physical location nothing replaces it nothing is the same doesn't matter how much how many state-of-the-art um technology cameras you got in your house and, and tv screens and stuff like that to capture every single angle or get the best audio quality or whatever bullshit. and um i think the the athletes and members also understood there's only so many fucking ways you can do a push-up for so long before you just get the fuck over it and want to get back under a bar. It's nothing is just, nothing's going to replace just heavy fucking weights and jacking steel, you know? So it's just happy to be Damn, son. Oh, blind. Like that. That should be the, that should be like a poster or like the intro to all these gyms reopening right there. Oh. Anybody else got yeah. something that they just want to get off their chest a little bit? How they feeling? Oh, it's good to see all these great faces again. Yeah. I've already been told that my, my hair looks terrible and my beard looks terrible by Alex, <laughs> but like, it's uh, it's good to see all your good faces again. Thanks, Ned. Appreciate it. Where's your slug gone? Um, well, I found some bolognese from about four days ago. <laughs> on Sunday, so I decided it was probably time to get rid of it, mate. Um, and, and Brad Pitt was starting to look better looking than me, so I can't have that. Oh, yeah. Of course, of course. Um, guys, I want to I want to keep this to like a tighter one hour because one, well, we're all much busier now. We all got more stuff to do now, so I want to be more respectful of your time. And um, I know you guys got more stuff to do, so the, I kind of want to hit on the main points right here, and that is, look, in the 2011, there we had the NFL lockout, and we had I don't know if you any of you remember, but we had a pretty big spike in Achilles tendon ruptures, and I think history can repeat itself in many ways in situations and scenarios like this where you get months and months of layoffs um athletes especially professional athletes aren't doing the physical prep work that they have been need to to prepare for sport to prepare for the volumes and loads accordingly how do you guys think athletes 
should prepare right now if they haven't done anything to cope with the loads and the trainings that they're going to be having to do now post-COVID? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll kick off if you want to. Um, well, for, first of all, I'll, uh, I'll give a quick little plug here. I've, I've brought along Bell today. I know we talked about it when we were uh, off, off air before, but now we're live. So uh, Hi, we've got Bell down today. Um, one of our coaches here at Peak uh, and our nutritionist as well. So get around AB Performance Nutrition on Instagram. I thought we'd bring her down. She's one of the superstars coming through AFLW Nutritionist as well. Um, but I think, yeah, look, as you can see, all around the world, People are already starting to experience it. I think um, the Athletes Authority boys uh, hit the nail on the head with a video a couple of weeks back in regards to just earning your right to be able to sprint again. That's the number one thing. I think in that video, uh, Lockie talked about one of the first programs they saw their athletes come in with, was it like six sets of 60-meter sprints or something along those lines, flat out of the blocks. Like um, just, just taking a progressive approach. Um, I know that there's going to be people that are chomping at the bit. Uh, but just try to utilize that that quick little um, simple and easy sort of 10 to 15 percent increase from week to week I know even now like we've been open for a couple of weeks in SA I think local competitions are still maybe a month away uh, so if you can if you can sort of set yourself for example like off the top of my head I reckon most of your, your sort of semi elite athletes each week you're going to be hitting roughly like 18 Ks worth of load once you sort of add in two training sessions and, and a uh, and a game load like just that's that's a very generalized number there's going to be a lot, a lot that are a lot higher than that and a lot that are a lot lower and just try to work your way back from there progressively it's certainly not going to be the perfect build up um in, in, by any means and even some of the organizations and institutions in the world that have the most resources have all the time that i'm sure would have been able to give their athletes equipment during the break they're still breaking down as well so be progressive start off small guys 10 to 15 percent incremental increases whether that's in running or or lifting loads from week to week because in four weeks time you're sort of back out on the track um look there i don't think there's going to be a right or wrong answer at the moment apart from just don't jump straight in the deep end i think there's going to be a lot of people that think shoot i haven't been doing anything for three months you know what i'm going to do now i want to smash myself for two weeks and i'll be ready to go i'm going to go hard now and that's that's when you see people fall in heaps so um Maybe, for example, it's going to be people that uh, spend a lot more time recovering and, and recover just as hard now as well. So um, eating well, sleeping well, um, all those other modalities around that as well to, to try to, I guess, reduce the impact they're going to be feeling as they sort of transition into, uh, into their first game. So, uh, yeah, be progressive if you just want to sum that up and recover well. Got it. All right, let's go Ryan, Amir, Carl. That's what I see on my screen, left to right. Uh, well, pretty much exactly what Sean just said. Like, you just got to take it slow, take it steady. You know, you probably, you've hopefully have been doing something already. And now it's all about that increase from there. Like, I don't think I could say much better than Sean just said. You just got to slow, steady, keep going. Got it. Yeah. Um, I probably posted about this uh, the other day in the lead up to the gym's opening because. I deal mostly with strength strength athletes, strength board athletes, and, and also fighters. With regards to the strength board, sport athletes, or any athlete who's going to get back into their like, strength training, uh, you want to make sure intensity is is fairly low uh, going back into it. Uh, you want to be working, if, you, if you're thinking about it as an RP sort of um, concept, you want to be like six 
five, six RP at the moment and bringing things up slowly. Volume needs to be cut at least 50% uh, or thereabouts uh, because there's just not the same, uh, you know, like, like uh, you said at the start, um, there's just not the same integrity in soft tissue uh, after this, this much layoff, especially if they haven't done anything for a while. Uh, so uh, there's much more likelihood of uh, a problem with tendons, a problem with ligaments, uh, and uh, and also muscle tears and stuff like that, because elasticity qualities aren't the same either. And uh, everything needs to then be brought up very slowly, first by increasing intensity very gradually, and then by increasing volume after that. So that's something that they they all need to uh, adhere to. And they got to understand that the, uh, the, for the strength athletes out there, the strength is going to be down, not, not just because they've detrained or they've lost muscle, uh, but also because it's a skill. Squatting is a skill. Benching is a skill. Deadlifting is a skill. And that skill would have decayed over this time. It, it doesn't take a lot, a lot of time for skill to decay, uh, especially uh, certain movements over the others. Deadlifts, for example, stay around for much longer. Bench press or overhead pressing decays much faster in terms of skill. Uh, so that's going to that's going to come back fast as long as they adhere to the right amount of volume, the right amount of intensities. You don't want to be smashing yourself uh, going back into the first session. You're going to be sore for so long. Instead, do less, but jack up the frequency. Do more of it through the week and uh, build it up like that. And then eventually you can morph it into the type of program you're doing beforehand. As far as the sport itself, so for fighters, for example, example that that we deal with uh you definitely want to be uh going into things uh, much easier if you're like if you're doing bjj or wrestling and stuff like that the roles the wrestles the spars they have to be lower in intensity so the same same principle applies intensity lower volume lower and then just building it up slowly uh, over time so that's uh, that's has been our advice to our athletes um and our clients since we've been back I've got, I've got a question, Emil, just uh, just more from an interest point of view. Obviously, me and Bell work primarily with sort of like your field and, and, and court athletes. So you're talking about sort of footy and, and so on and so forth. So where I guess a lot of uh, us as S&C coaches are trying to um, condition them to high velocities and, and change direction and things like that. Do you see, uh, what, are, what are the injury rates you see with sort of your more um, just strength-based athletes? So obviously you're talking about sort of lifting I'll, I'll be honest we probably don't have a great deal of those um in our facility um or, or just just more from an interest sake do you, do you see many injuries in that sense yes uh, injuries come as they as they advance and they start to um get to get to weights that are you know above national level for example getting to world level and stuff like that uh there's there's more likelihood of injuries because because as you get stronger there is no other way to get stronger other than doing more volume so you have to bring about more wear and tear and and with each extra rep that you do with each extra set that you do you have that much more of a risk of exposure to something going wrong and uh the other the other the other time when injury happens is when they um when they go too hard too early which is a common thing uh, just mostly from ego reasons. They just don't want to face the fact that they're going to slow it down and, and uh, take their time into building into what, whatever it is that they want to be building in terms of the weights. Uh, 
because the name of the game in strength sports is literally how much weight you can you can move, how much you can defy gravity. Uh, it is probably a little bit more uh, risky, I, I would imagine, compared to uh, dealing mostly with, like, say, footy players, where th the training is is just a means to an end. You're doing it to improve the gameplay. Uh, it doesn't matter if they squat 250 kilos, you know, uh, as long as they have a whatever, say, double bodyweight squat, two and a half times bodyweight squat, or whatever you guys deem necessary for your athletes, that's enough. But for us, it's different. You want a 250 kilo squat now, not tomorrow, now. And so they start to push the envelope a little bit, little bit more because that's how they're getting, that's how they're going to win. That's the measurement of the sport. No, thanks, mate. That's good. Easy. Now, Carl, mate, I've been, I've been excited for your passion. A great man. <laughs> Let's go. I didn't sleep last night just because I was that excited to hear you talk, mate. I might take a bit of a different approach and say probably something that we need to do as a as a as a collective in the interest of the betterment of athletes is to probably hold coaches to a higher standard. Um, now, specifically with layoffs, um, with less resources available, specifically in women's sport, probably less sorry in men's, but definitely in women's. programming strength and conditioning programs on field crossfit-esque style workouts with no consideration at all to their chronic load um, and what they can manage in the acute setting so i i would probably say our job is in the, this interim period educate the athlete as much as we can um, in this early stage to say hey th these are the red flags that you should be aware of if your coaches are expecting this of you um, for, for example, we, we got shown a workout of one of the, the athletes who had to do this before ball work. It was something like um, 50 burpees, 75 uh, mountain climbers, 100 push-ups, 125 sit-ups, 150 lunges, 175 squats, 200 something, and then work your way back down that other again. And that was before skills. Nice. Which is like so more... <laughs> It's, it's like, it's, you can't defend that kind of stuff. No. Um, and that, that's, what ha, that's, what ha, that's what is happening at the grassroots level because there aren't the resources and there's not the education. And then these fucking skills coaches think that's mental toughness training. Mm -hmm. That's not fucking mental toughness training. That's moron training. It's not- the Resilience training. Yeah. Often your bullshit. That's not, it's not that. And so I think we probably go, hey, we need to educate the athletes to know the red flags. You know, let them know when, you know, they say, look, coach, I'm here for the ball work. I'm not doing this. And you just, they've got to be brave enough to do that because it, that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. B, help skills coaches collect the resources and the information that, that they need to make good decisions. If they want to start doing S&C stuff before a skill session, so be it. But then at least try and make some around that um, because I think that is an absolute recipe for disaster especially when it, especially when it's under the guise of mental resilience training terrible what are some what are some of those red flags I mean we just mentioned one in example with and you guys can all chime in on this let's empower the athlete and the client right now what are the red flags to look out for one huge amounts of spikes in volume and intensity which you mentioned through questionable exercise selection what else um, great um, 
other probably red flags is do does the skills coach or the person giving this advice on face value should they be giving this advice or are they out of their lane that's probably another good one for the same reasons that we're not going to start coordinating ball drills in the gym yeah because it's it's simply out of our lane so if you if if the athlete identifies hey the skills coach would never normally do this but now they are they put on the guys of toughness training or you guys need to be more functional or it needs to look like rugby or something like that 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 would probably be another red flag so you mentioned uh is this a significant change in load over a very short period of time massive red flag um and and they would probably be the ones i would look out for alex got it okay well athletes clients listening take that and run with it i mean we've mentioned kind of barry well we've talked about the athlete specifically the client specifically how they can adjust but i want to bring it back to the coaches like what are some barriers that you guys anticipate to see psychologically with all your different clientele merging back into the gym beginning back their physical preparation routines their movement routines whatever routines they have like what are some of the more psychological emotional barriers that you guys see that we can curb that we can make this a more seamless process because contextualize it months of inconsistent training psychological malaise stress ups and downs all across the world how do you how do we now transition that that mental frame and that mental uh, mindset to, to be more smooth and to introduce them into that healthy routine again i'm, I'm not too sure about uh, the other states but um now, probably in the last sort of, say, fortnight or so, we're actually starting to get some set dates for competition start, which has been a huge help because prior to that, uh, I think if you're talking about mental state in particular, a lot, a lot of athletes um, were coming through and, and almost sort of felt like they were training purposelessly. Yeah. Um, they, they, they didn't know when the end goal was. And to an extent, uh, as a coach, we had a sort of rough idea of, when we thought it might go back, if it was going to go back, well, there was there was times there where we thought well, maybe maybe they've just put a, a big line through this year. So you sort of you're, you're programming towards this sort of rough, blurry uh, end goal. Um, when it comes to your sort of semi uh, and and more elite athletes that we do have come through, they're, they're certainly a, a, a lot easier to be able to transition through this phase, and they'll they'll flick the switch um, pretty readily. I think we've, we've had pretty good. Um, response in regards to, all right, now we've got our goal in mind. We're, we've sort of been doing this to this point. Now we're just going to slightly modify it to make sure that we're, we're uh, I guess, uh, achieving those physiological outcomes at, at the right time. We're probably finding, for example, some of your more grassroots level. And again, this is going to come with continued education and trying to push through. But one of the, the, the barriers I think that, that might pop up there and it's probably a result of what we we're just talking about before. So say, for example, you do have one of those coaches who's going out and, and smashing um, their athlete, their athlete out at your local sort of your local footy club at, on a Tuesday night at nine o'clock. They're resulting in, in a fair bit of doms and soreness from that, and then neglecting their gym training um, uh, as a, I guess a compensation. So saying, oh, you know what? I don't want to come in and do my S and C work. I don't want to come through and do any intervention because I'm already so sore. Like. I need to get my body right for Thursday night when we're going to go again. Uh, and you sort of end up in this cycle where uh, you're actually ne- neglecting the, the really strong foundations of what you need to be implementing. 
for the sake of just trying you're in survival mode because uh, because of those coaches out there. So that's probably a, a barrier. And that, as I said, is going to come with education to say, well, you know what, actually, uh, what you need to be prioritising what we're providing with you here, as opposed to um, just getting smashed every Tuesday and Thursday night. And your your prime goal is to just survive and get through your coaches' session. So semi-elite and elite, I, I think um, it's going to be a lot smoother. As you said, it's, it's that that less educated that less professional, that less experienced athlete that you're dealing with, that we're going to have a few more boundaries and hurdles with. Thank you, Sean. Ryan, you got any? Yeah, so like um, we in WA, we've been open for ages, to be honest. Well, not ages, but we've been open a fair amount of time. So you guys are just opening up. We've been open maybe a little bit longer than SA guys. So for us, when everyone came back, we were very clear that, um, with all the coaching staff, all our guys, and beforehand, it was all about, you know, educating the members on what it's going to be like when they do come back, what it's going to be like now, how this process is going to go. So we blocked out like, you know, a 12 week kind of process for everyone. Um, being adaptable with that on the floor for different people, because some people were excellent during like during lockdown, some people a little bit more inconsistent. So being adaptable for those guys and then, you know, being very clear in our communication skills with those guys to make sure that message is getting across really well. Um, that's really helped us in this process. And we've had like real good results already in the last four weeks coming back from, you know, everyone coming back in, even when we didn't really have any dates, like a lot of our guys are swimmers and stuff like that. So they didn't know when the pools were going to be open. You know, so it was a lot of um, keeping communication lines open educating them on like, you know, this is our plan. We're going to use this time right now to do a lot of stuff that we couldn't do while you're under a lot of load. And then, you know, let's keep going from there and adapt as we go because everything keeps changing so quickly. Yeah, much the same. Uh, for a lot of our guys, actually a, a very significant portion who took uh, equipment away and um, used each other's houses as a central hub, a lot of them have actually continue to train as per normal and they've actually gotten stronger during the lockdown time so um in in for them it's been just business as usual more or less um but for the others it's been like like you guys suggested uh just educating them constantly as as uh, we would approach gym's reopening uh, we had already planned out and, and uh, gotten a, a 12-week program ready as an on-ramp program uh, for people who had been doing either nothing or barely anything. Um, again, going back to that deconditioning factor in all aspects and uh, getting them back on track for that to be able to go back to their normal uh, normal training. But a lot of it comes down to uh, education and, uh, you know, for me, the leadership um, quality of explaining why something is happening the way it's happening so people have an understanding rather than saying this is what you have to do kind of because i said so because that's just the way it's going to be really explaining to people and educating them as to what happens when you have a layoff and what do you do when you've got to come back and why do you do it like that uh, so that you can be back to in even better shape than before as quickly as possible, as safely as possible. Otherwise, if you, if you don't follow this kind of these kind of rules um, or guidelines, rather, uh, you you could potentially uh, set yourself back even more. And then, as far as like uh, having scheduled competitions, 
I mean, for you guys, it's great, especially for like the athletes and stuff like that. For us, with the powerlifters, it's a little bit sketchy. We we don't have any understanding as yet in regards to what when comps are going to start running at local level at least. Uh, but uh, it looks like it's around the corner because from the 1st of July, all contact sports are going to be allowed here. So I would assume that um, things like competitions can start running. And, and as soon as we can announce that, uh, then uh, there will be a glimmer of hope for, for those athletes who function like that, right? A lot of people train because they want to have something to train for. Mm. Uh, even if they are at a recreational level um, sport or lifting or whatever, uh, they, they, they don't like to train just for the sake of training. And then I guess for the others who train and enjoy training just for the sake of training, it's no problem for them. The gyms are back on, happy days, let's get back to it. And if a comp comes around, a comp comes around. If it doesn't, I'm happy to train anyway. Got it. Mr. Mr. Goodman, do you um, remember the uh, context of what we're talking, like no, the question? Yeah, I, I would probably say that probably most things are going to correct itself now. Now that, now that gyms are back up and running, sport is likely to return. I think the habits... The, the mental malaise that you spoke about, the stress yeah. um, around the COVID situation is probably going to course correct because what we know about habits is that once have relative brain there, um, they're hard to really get rid of. And because the environment has now changed... Kyle, could you repeat that last like two sentences because you, you kind of broke up a little bit. Oh, um, yeah, what, well, what we know about habits is that habits are environment-specific. So... Whilst we had maybe a breakdown of our habits and our routines in COVID and the, and the mental malaise that you spoke about, mm. our environment has changed. And because our environment's changed, the habits and the routines have also changed. So I actually think we're going to course correct without much intervention. For example, it's only literally taken us two days. We've had a Monday and a Wednesday as our primary training days, Wednesday morning. And everyone's like, oh, it feels like normal again. Like, yeah. you know, people post you know oh it feels like i've got my life back again and so i think it's probably going to course correct alex um by itself because of the environment shift that we've all now been exposed to okay yeah so just by natural proxy of things going back to normal but here's here's my here's a concern i have i can see everybody is really up and about we're excited they're emotionally well-being like Increased dramatically through, all right, we can get back to our routine. My concern is we have little control unless we, well, you'll see where I'm going with this, unless we as a population and community revolt against uh, the decisions being made by people higher up. So we have no control about what a government does and decisions they make directly. As a community, you could argue systemically we can have control. Where I'm going with this is that Let's say in a couple of weeks, a couple of months, six months, 12 months, nine, who, within the next 12 months, this happens again. And governments kind of, they get scared. All right, guys, public health is number one. We're going to have to do this again, right? And maybe we do this a couple of times. How do we, do we anticipate that? Do we predict for that? And how do we uh, prepare for it? I'm I think if anything, um, if this is something that is a, a repeat occurrence, at least now we've got some sort of framework to work off of. Prior to this in our lifetime, there was nothing that was even close to it. So uh, I remember, um, I'll, be, I'll be completely honest, in the, in the first hour of this happening, I remember um, Sky Mo came on TV and 
sort of out. I didn't even realise at the time and out my phone was blowing up and at the time I just was uh, in the first sort of yeah couple of couple of minutes couple of hours that we, that we knew exactly what was happening we had, we had 12 hours to shut down uh, I remember like looking for jobs on seek like, like what am I going to do how am I going to support my family I've got a small child and, and, a, and a wife to look after um, then when you sort of have the ability to sit back and, and work through the situation obviously adapt the way that we did and obviously work along with you guys all the classics just like everybody else did hiring out gym equipment and um, online programming online sessions and so on and so forth at least if this was to happen again we've got a framework to work off of are there things that we could have done better absolutely I'm sure that we'd implement those straight away now I'm sure there'd be some other innovative things that we'd, we'd try to maybe explore and implement um, uh, now that we, we have a bit of an understanding of how it all works but yeah look uh, I would I'd hope, for example, that, uh, that there's some sort of vaccine letter and down the track. We didn't never have to experience this again. But certainly, I would feel much more confident going into this a second time if uh, if we were. And, and look, I remember again. I was sort of relaying back to our last chat. Um, you you just have those those hard conversations with all the relevant stakeholders. For example, your landlords, your insurance companies, your phone companies, and so on and so forth. And you just put everything back on hold again and and uh, and just try to, I guess, uh, tread water or, or, or float or um, provide as, as best service to your community as possible within the limitations. But uh, yeah, look, I, I think certainly if it was to reoccur, I'd be, I'd, I'd feel a lot better about the situation. I wouldn't necessarily go straight to seek to uh, to, <laughs> to to figure out what's going on. Got it. Is that how we all feel? Yeah. Or maybe not. Um, I feel like you got like you probably like you probably had a review of what you did well. Like we review you know, anything we kind of do. So like, this was no different. We reviewed how we, how we responded, how we went from there. And, you know, we've said, okay, that was good. This was, we could have done better. We can do it this way next time. You know, you, you put those frameworks in place and you start building it out from there. So if it does happen or, you know, some people say when it happens again, you know, like we, you know, you'll have that ability to go, okay, sweet, this plan's in place. Let's go from there. I'll tell you, I know this, sorry, probably deviates a little bit, but, what I find so interesting, and I saw a great uh, article the other day, and obviously you have to be very, very careful in the information that you do absorb. But, um, uh, this, this article that I found was, was saying, I think it was maybe through Australia or some one of those sort of institutions was saying that, uh, not that we're pumping those guys up at the moment, get around off it, guys. But uh, um, a lot of the information that the government are making uh, their decisions on in regards to our industry was based on one outbreak, I think, in Europe. It might have been Italy, for example. There was a Zumba class of 25 people that were boxed yeah. into a, maybe a, I don't know, 30-square-foot room or something along those lines. And uh, and there was a, uh, a big dose of cases that came out of that. And that is where all of, this, all of these decisions are being made. And uh, I'm sure that you guys have seen that uh, probably in SA at the moment, or it, thankfully it has changed now because there was a bit of a lobby against it, but there was a stage there where we were, we were allowed to have 75 people on our gym floor in an open gym in a 24-7 scenario. But if we were to run any sort of structured group training, we were allowed to have 10. So there's a 65-person difference there. So, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. I, I'd hope that there's a little bit more um, hindsight with, with the government's... Um, uh, decisions going moving forward, seeing that probably in Australia we've been able to manage uh, the health and fitness industry pretty well, really. And if anything, we're probably 
cleaner than ever before. But uh, yeah, a little deviation there. I just thought it was, it was an interesting. Uh, I think that's actually a real good point because, like, for example, at where where I'm at, yeah, we're we're a very small boutique gym. We have no more than like eight people in the place at once. Yeah, we've got no more than eight people getting trained at once. Like. And, you know, that gets quite frustrating when you're getting compared to someone who's like, you know, there's probably less than 10 people in a building that's, you know, according to the, you know, the square limits could have maybe 20 to 25 and we're still lumped in with like, you know, the rest of the group. So maybe, I don't know how, like, how this changes, but if there's any kind of hindsight with that in a government level, that would be freaking great. And do any of you boys run Zumba classes at all? Nah, not at all. Well, I sometimes bust out some dance moves, but, you know, like get me maracas out. But it's not like, I'm not doing a class for it. No one's paying to see that shit. I'd, I'd pay to watch you dance, brother. <laughs> oh, here we go. Side business. Um, what I can say is you should never be in a mindset where you are relying on the government to either help you or not help you, uh, you know, to affect you in, in any particular way. And those people who did suffered the most uh, because they sat there twiddling their thumbs, thinking any day now something's going to change, things are going to get better, or I'm just going to wait on uh, for my um, government grant or whatever. And a lot of those people are wiped out now, uh, or they're back to zero. A lot of their hard work over the over the years uh, is gone. Uh, so it's you know in regards to what you said like how do we do to to um i can't remember the exact word they use at the very end but to basically remedy the situation next time if this happens it's not about any particular operational thing in of itself it's about the mindset that you yes. that you adopt that leads to the change in those operational things to begin with so for those people who are doing this, who are involved in this um, industry for fun because they thought they liked training and so they're going to become coaches or personal trainers and that's all that was to it. They probably are suffering a lot of them. They're probably wiped out. They're probably doing something else right now. And at the end of the day, and as harsh as this may sound, it is just about survival of the fittest. Uh, if you are somebody who's truly built for this, uh, then you will survive it just like we have um, in fact for us I don't know how it is for you guys we came came back out of this better than before it this was a good thing I welcome the next pandemic personally um, yes, I love that mentality That's and tough. you know like it just comes down to how much for me honestly it's just it's just as simple as that it just comes down to survival of the fittest how people figure it out uh, during times, uh, and it comes down to leadership because it's, it trickles down from the leadership. Um, like, you know, off the back of this, we, we uh, launched other uh, sister businesses. Uh, we launched other extensions of services, uh, which have been welcomed. Uh, for example, we began manufacturing equipment and we, gave, we started uh, to hire out uh, as part of our online coaching for people who couldn't make it to, to our gyms. I mean, during the lockdown, couldn't make it to any gym, but now people who just simply live too far away, but they want our brand of brand of coaching in the comfort of their own garage at home. We manufacture uh, our own squat stands that are easily stored away. 
We give them bars, plates, and their programming, and they do it at home. And now we've come out of that uh, in a better position than we were beforehand. So whoever got into this just for fun, because they thought they like doing bicep curls and they're gonna count some reps for other people also doing bicep curls, they um, un, un, probably have not lasted or have found it very, very tough. Uh, we found it tough, but it was good. It was a good experience. I'm, I'm happy for the next pandemic to come around again. Carl. Yes, mate. Carl is frozen. Oh, oh there he is. No, no. I'm, I'm digesting. I'm, I'm probably more similar with, with Amir on this one. Um, I have loved the fact that it has separated the gyms that are commodities with the gyms that produce something and create something unique. I'm so fucking happy that I don't own it anytime. And I could have easily owned it anytime in, a, in another world, but I'm so glad that that COVID has demonstrated the need for something more purposeful and authentic than a weight stack and a 24 seven gym. I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful for that because fuck me dead. Like I've never ever had more fun in the past two days owning a gym than these last two days. Honestly, better than when I first opened it. Um, better when I like when I moved into that. The, the, uh, I've never fun and I've never been more appreciative of the people in my facility, and I'm so glad that they see that too. No, we've never had booked out classes all throughout the week. We've never had full capacity for every single session ever. We've had that, and the fucking buzz is unreal. So I'm kind of, um, you know, if you for the gym owners and the coaches who who want to create something that isn't commoditized uh, and and isn't uh, just a gym membership, I think I think this has been an incredible experience for us. For those that had commodity services like your Crunch Fitnesses, nine ninety seven a week, um, your Plus Fitnesses, your Anytime Fitness. People have realized that they can do that at home. People have realized that they can get that at home. Because you walk into a plus fitness, you don't speak to anyone. You put your headphones in and then you train and then you leave. You know, we are doing that. And I'm sure you guys are all the same. And what we've been able to, what COVID's been able to do is to highlight the that element of what we do. I'm, I'm fucking thankful for it, to be honest. So like I'm with Amir, bring on the next fucking one because that's going to cut some more fucking fat away. We'll trim it up even more and we'll win out even more and we'll get more efficient and we'll optimize more. So yeah, fuck it. I'm, I'm stoked for it. Same, same with Amir. I've got a whole ton of equipment that we're now, as Amir does, providing as part of our athlete development program for any reason that an athlete can't make sessions. So if, if you would like to come three times or if you're on a three-day program but you can't make three days and that would otherwise be an objection to not join the program, that would be a reason why we'd have to objection handle, well, what that's not a problem. You do two sessions here. There is your gear for session three. Go and do that at home. Send the video feedback and we'll coach you. That's brilliant. Right. Work. Yeah, I am. I, I'm really, I'm really thankful for it. I, on your other point of look, we don't have a lot of control. 
I don't think anyone who was under the illusion we ever had a lot of control, yeah. we have a lot of fucking control anyway. No, we're the fucking peasants. <laughs> we're fucking control regardless um, of, of big government, big power, big industry, we're nothing anyway. So I think we can only control our individual perception, our individual mindset uh, around it. Um, and I'm happy. Yeah, I'm but happy. they say it's not what happens to you, it's how you respond. And I think out of all you guys right here, Every time I speak to a winner, they have this type of mentality. The winner's mentality. The, the, the how you respond mentality. And that's yeah. it. One of the last things I wanted to finish off on was we've had a recent, amongst all this, we've had a recent um, kind of interesting change in this whole industry. And that's what's happened or what's happening to CrossFit. And... I didn't pay much attention to this because I'm not trying to really worry about what other people are doing. But, you know, as an industry, as a market, I wonder how people boycotting uh, CrossFit now, distancing themselves from it, um, them potentially losing a market share. Does that come into your thought process in how that could impact individuals in an industry as coaches or even systemically throughout the whole market in this industry? Is that something... Um, just as a as a thought process, like, well, how do we are we thinking about that? Or, or... can I lead this one? Can yeah. I yeah, put thoughts on paper? So we can go from there. Mm. Um, I understand that um, the, the motivation behind the disassociation from from CrossFit as a as a, a stand for what appeared to be um, very poor behaviour on Greg Glassman's part. Yeah, but. I think it was probably very brash from a lot of CrossFit owners um, who are now de-affiliating and probably haven't considered the long-term second, third, fourth order consequences of walking away from your method. So, you know, for example, CrossFit would be the keyword prefix to gym and suburb for a whole bunch of people because they look for CrossFit first they then look for suburb second. And from a, a keyword search, from a marketing side of things, CrossFit is the linchpin. That's the turnkey solution for a lot of people. They go looking for CrossFit. And they, I'm in this location, so let me type in our time. You know, what I think is probably you're going to find from a lot of these disassociated um, gyms, box gyms, which is now what they are, is they're devoid of a method, they're devoid of a story, they're devoid of a brand, and they're that's gonna have some that's gonna have some problems for them. Because, you know, and, and it remains to be seen whether it's like CrossFit, but it isn't, is gonna suffice. We don't know if that's gonna suffice for as a marketing strategy. Um, so I would suggest any box owner who's disassociated. You better get a brand strategy together. You better get a methodology together um, because F45 is nothing without F45. Orange Theory is nothing without their heart rate methodology. CrossFit is nothing without CrossFit. It's it's just bricks and mortar. So I think method, unless you have a method to replace it, a system to replace it, you're going to be in trouble. You won't know about it yet because all your existing members are coming back to you because they get it but everyone else who isn't a part of your brand who still will type in crossfit 
and you won't come up. And if you do come up, you might have licensing issues and fuck knows what CrossFit's going to do about kind of making sure that you don't use their brand on the website. You get rid of that stuff. When Google does crawls, you no longer show up for CrossFit. Who knows what's going to happen in time? That's going to be a problem. And I think people are way too quick to jump off that. I think you could have easily made a stand, but also said, well, no, we're... We, we believe in the CrossFit methodology and what we want is CrossFit as an organization to, to clean themselves up and to tidy their own room. See, I, I, I personally think I would have obviously we're already in a, a fairly flooded industry as a whole. If you're talking about sort of fitness industry as a whole, if you're talking about strength and conditioning as a niche within that industry, I feel like probably in a sense, maybe we're about to be uh, flooded specifically because I think there's going to be a lot of those de-affiliated gyms that will now start to market themselves or rebrand themselves as strength and conditioning gyms is is my is my theory behind it. You get it, obviously, uh, the well, CrossFit um, coaches, I think, call themselves strength and conditioning coaches. I don't have a, a great sort of deal of knowledge in, in, in regards to I've never been in, uh, involved in one I've never attended one I've never done any CrossFit course or in, along those lines but I sort of feel like that's the take that, or the, the, the pathway that they're going to try to um, move down to compensate for not having that CrossFit name in it so whether they um, obviously just take take that branding away from the website and call themselves Strength and Conditioning Port Adelaide or, or something along those lines uh, I think that might might be a um, whether and again whether we, we sort of think that's a, an ethical thing to do or not is a whole other sort of scenario because I guess the other thing and I probably I can be guided by you guys as well obviously there's, there's CrossFit accreditation isn't there the, the people that are doing that accreditation do they have anything else behind them so are they people who have had Cert 3 and Cert 4s and then transitioned into a CrossFit accreditation or is that the first thing they've moved into and now they're defiliated are they essentially uh, lacking any accreditation at all, I guess there's a there's, there's lots of issues that have come up there. Um, from the from the, the guy who sort of sparked the whole scenario, regardless of whatever you believe, so I think you just need to have some sort of situational awareness. There's so many people, I think, in this world that I just look at them and go, "What are you thinking? Like, like how how did how did this even become a thing? You could, I'm sure there's millions of people around the world that all have their own opinions about so many different topics. And when you're at the pub on a Saturday night with your mates. When you're a, a, a few pints down, look, say whatever you want to, but to, to, to be in, in such a uh, a strong role and such a, a public role and to sort of be making brash comments and uh, irrational comments, I think is just lacks so much environmental and situational awareness. I, like, it just blows my mind. Mm-hmm. But um, do, do you guys have any, uh, any further information on sort of the, the accreditation point of view? And do you think that... Um, there, there is going to be a, a flood of, I guess, strength and conditioning boxes now. I think there'll probably be a flood of strength and conditioning boxes. Yeah, because there's already CrossFit gyms marking themselves as strength and conditioning places. So I right. don't see why that will change really. Right. right. One, one point on this though. We shouldn't be marking ourselves as strength and conditioning gyms either. No. No. A solution. Hold on, repeat that. Repeat that last. Repeat yeah, that last I don't think we should be marketing ourselves as strength and conditioning gyms either, because there is no method in strength and conditioning. 
what does that mean? We would not, none of us could agree on a definition yeah. of terms, where we could agree on a definition of terms for CrossFit or F45 or Orange. Yeah. So, you know, that that's lazy on our part if we're going to mark ourselves a strength conditioning team. And if that's what they default to, fucking I hope luck's on your side. Because when an athlete, because an athlete will probably type in strength and conditioning gym and then they turn up to see everyone doing 30 snatches, 30 keeping pull-ups, 30 box jumps. Well, yeah, you'd, you'd hope that'd be out here and that's our job to educate, I guess. Exactly. So, you know, I think what you touch on, the, and I think that's probably why we default to, to marketing ourselves as a strength and conditioning gym because you get if you're talking to the, the, the general punter, if you're talking to a, an athlete who doesn't really have too much experience in the industry, when they say, so, oh, what, what do you specialise in? What's your niche? That, that is, I guess, the, the go-to. It's, it's the most sort of universally understood. You would say where, look, our performance centre deals in long-term athlete development. Like, you get to the word long. You say the word long and people are, like, they'll be lost. So, you yeah. initially go, ah, oh, yeah, right, right, right. So, you're like, sports. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of cool. It's also our title. Yeah, know, absolutely. Title. We, sure. we call ourselves strength condition coach, but what I'm saying from a from a marketing standpoint, simply the title is probably going to be insufficient in this current landscape. And if a box who was a CrossFit box now just goes, "I'm we're a strength conditioning gym," it's probably going to be insufficient. So if you own a box so out there, and you get the market share, they need to stay afloat. You own a box and you're watching this team. Do not call yourself strength and conditioning. Oh well, if you want to, <laughs> if you want to, do whatever you want to do. I'll be happy to go call yourself metabolic conditioning five thousand Port Adelaide. Uh, <laughs> yeah, look, I think I think overall it was a it was a bad move. Uh, I think it was a knee jerk reaction by the people who who had the reaction. Uh, it wasn't the wrong reaction necessarily, um, but it was emotional. In terms of taking a stand for what they believe in, that's that's fine. But the way they did it uh, was was probably wrong. So they suffered instead of the person who caused the issue. Uh, he had to suffer, right? So what they should have probably done was stay put, have a some sort of an, uh, a communication where he has to resign, issue a public apology and be gone and crossfit as an entity would then make it understood that he is no longer part of them he has nothing to do with them crossfit has its own vision and mission and is it's it's its own person uh who was being driven by this particular person and that driver is no longer the driver we have a different driver so in you know the way they did it in the sense of everybody uh, so many of them saying we no longer associate with CrossFit and stuff like that. Uh, I think it was a uh, it was a very quick knee jerk reaction that probably wasn't well thought out. And me, uh, but yeah, yeah. Can I add to that? Yeah, probably a very convenient option. Now I speak not as a CrossFit owner, so I have no idea, but I'm going to hypothesize for a second here that it's it's that it was seen as a short-term solution, especially given cash flow issues of COVID, to get out of a $20,000 license affiliation cost per year. Because I, yeah. I can imagine that would be 
a short-term win for them. And I said, I'm just going to de-affiliate so I don't have that type of licensing fee. But I still think long-term, that's a mistake because CrossFit is so ingrained in that person looking for that type of solution. It's going to take time for something to replace what we think CrossFit means. And the everyday Joe Blow, they're still going to type in CrossFit. I'm I'm almost certain of it. And I would want to be a CrossFit gym owner right now because I'm fucking keeping my affiliation and just saying I don't stand and he doesn't represent me. Yeah. Because I I want to ride the wave and CrossFit all the way into C because it's a strong brand. Definitely. Yeah. So... I mean that's the mistake that, that they a lot of them made. I mean even even Rogue did it. Um, they just you know that's a that's a big contract man to just make a make a decision just like that. Um, I don't know what they're gonna do in regards to the CrossFit Games and stuff. I imagine they would rename it and it'll be something else and they'll still run it the same. But that's yet to be seen. When did they do that? Because I read I read their statement saying when when not. Uh, we're not exiting. Un- what I what I heard was they're going to uh, they're going to honor what's already been planned, and then and then they're going to basically exit. So what's already been planned for this year or whatever it is, they're going to carry on with it, and then um, CrossFit from all the gear, or their CrossFit right. gear or something like that as well. Right. So um, yeah, from what yeah, what I understood, it was like they're they're reviewing after the end of the contract, but they said the contract looks like whatever it might. Then there's no guarantee yeah. on the new renewal of the contract, and they're removing CrossFit from the. Yeah, the look, as far as the the other thing that we were saying about they call themselves strength and conditioning gyms, it doesn't really matter because it's been happening up to now anyway. There's there's uh, there's been plenty of people uh, who are not proficient and are not strength and conditioning coaches or facilities saying they are. Yeah. So nothing really changes. It's just more more of the same. And uh, whoever's good is good. Like I was saying before, survival of the fittest. Whoever's good will just stand out and whoever's not will just fade out, whatever. That doesn't really... I'm telling you, if the CEO of Reebok or Rogue are watching, I'm starting a new competition. It's called the Metabolic Conditioning Games. Get excited, guys. (laughs) Jump on now. Jump on the wave while it's it's fresh. (laughs) Last thing. And Lockie Boomer just walked in. So, you know what? What's up, Lockie? Um, You're welcome to chime in if you got any thoughts. Um, Last thing. One to two minutes each. We talked about education. We talked about educating the client. But educating the client... Educating the person comes from educating via the coach. Um, and I think a lot of certifications have come away from the pillars of what are needed as a foundation, like the foundations needed to be a personal trainer and coach. What do you guys think fitness education needs to be grounded in or reconnected in? Uh, what about, I've been talking for an hour, Belle, would you like to, would you like to say anything for, for a minute or so, mate, or do you want me to go straight into it? No, you go. I'm, uh, I'm happy just listening. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, uh, and I, I know it's just going to be a sh- shameless plug for you guys, but just being reconnected uh, in that face-to-face, we're literally talking before we went on um, about the amount of accreditation out there. Uh, one of the most laughable things that I saw during ISO, for example, was, uh, and, and look, I don't know what institution it was through, but it was like, Guys, online only, get your six-week personal trainer's degree while you're in isolation. So when you come out, you guys can be an accredited personal trainer. I saw all this sort of stuff. So I think 
um, that we need to obviously get back to your, your face-to-face, get your hands dirty in the coaching, obviously, um, with that married alongside all your theoretical work. I think that's only going to sort of um, ride the wave of, as, as Carl was saying before, how much us smaller community gyms now uh, or facilities or centres, whatever you want to call us, uh, are experiencing massive boom at the moment because people uh, are or have missed that sense of community. Um, as you said, there, there's nothing you can do at home in your, in your garage or in your shed that replicates what everybody on this screen can provide. So uh, I think those are the two, two main things is, is uh, grounding back into getting face-to-face and, and providing uh, top quality education, not only from a theoretical point of view and a, and a principles, but from a, from a getting your hands dirty, physically coaching somebody, providing cues, uh, practicing communication skills, uh, practicing your observation skills. Uh, yeah, that, that, that'd be uh, my sort of quick little summary, I reckon. And guess what? Orphic offers all those guys. So anybody today, you're going to sign up for Orphic Education, Cert 3 and 4. You don't have to do that. Involved. It's all good. It's all, if, if they know, they know. Right? <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, you know, you need, you need knowledge, you need the practical application of the knowledge, and then you need to know how to communicate with the people. Uh, that would be my three things. If uh, you can do those three things, you're doing pretty well. And I'm gonna jump in. If you want to go deep for an hour on that, we did a we did a great chat with Brett Bartholomew, and he talked that about was the, insane. Yeah, he goes deep on the communication art of yeah, coaching. Yeah, it was wicked. So very um, good. Go listen to that, Amir. Uh, I'll say this quick, and, I, and then I just got to jump off, guys. I just yep. got to get into a into a meeting. But human psychology is is the first one. Uh, learning how to communicate with people, um, connecting, not communicating as in talking, connecting with people yeah. and and hands-on experience on an actual gym floor in the field that you want to, uh, want to get good at for an extended period of time, not for 30 hours. Um, and that's, I think, the, the most important things uh, as far as I'm concerned. Good man. Last one. We're going to go, guys. It was good to meet you again, once again. It was good to do these Thank things. Thank you for doing this. Um, uh, I'll catch you guys on, on the next one. Done. Enjoy. See you guys. See you. Later, what I always come back to is the, the need or desire for expedition of these certificates. Pros. Um, it's the big issue that I have. Okay. Um, I, I don't know. Did I just break up? You did, you did, but we, we got it. I got the- You're back, got the you're juice. back, baby. Yeah, what I was saying is uh, my, my biggest concern is the expedition um, of, or the speed at which people want to try and get this certificate three done uh, and certificate four for that matter. I don't understand um, why we're doing anyone a service by trying to promote some expedited six week or nine week course when anyone who's anyone in the industry who has stood the, uh, stood the test of time certainly um, doesn't believe that you need you get the skills and the knowledge um, required in that short period of time and spe- that may have worked 10 years ago when me and Lockie got our certification but it's probably not going to work now the, the the general knowledge and understanding of the general gym goer is much higher than it used to be is much better now we could get away with saying anything 10 years ago but you can't get away with that type of thing today 
So I, I would always stress uh, that if you want something to, to stand the test of time, in this case, your career, if you want your career to be purposeful and, and long enough that you can actually reap the reward, and some of us are only now just doing that as gym owners, it's taken us 10, 12, 14 years to get to this point, then you'd be a fool to think a four, six or eight week online course is going to be sufficient. It's just simply not going to be. And you only have to look at the stats for confirmation of that. When, when you've got by far the majority of people who complete a Cert 3, Cert 4, not be in the industry two years later, well, the evidence is on the wall. It's really up to us to um, communicate that because these guys probably don't know. Like if you're doing a Cert 3, Cert 4, you probably don't realize that 80% of trainers will not last more than two years. You probably don't know. And even if you do know, you probably think you're going to be the exception. And guess what? You're probably not the exception. You, you've probably got as much of a crack of making this work as, as anyone else. Um, so I reckon we need to move away from that. I think us as a brand, as our values, we need to stand for the right education, which means we stand against the wrong education. And I, I think we need to be brave and bold enough to do that and say, sorry, we're not going to stand behind a six-week course. We don't think it's good enough. That's why ours are six to nine months. I think ours are nine months, right? That's where we're moving towards. That's where we're moving. Yeah, that's where we're moving yeah. towards. Um, and we need to stand by that. You know, we, me and Lockie see bullshit all the time. We saw more bullshit today on, on Instagram from running a strength. He's shaking his head. What are you shaking your head at? <laughs> you froze real quick. Hold on, say it again. From, from clean health and I'm happy to be on record because I've already fucking called them out. I've, I've, I'm waiting for a reply. Um, clean health have released uh, a certificate from Seb Orem, who's done incredible things for his community. And it's a shame of me he's gone. Um, who is now released the world's leading strength and conditioning certification that's never been run before. That's not even <laughs> I think I know what you're talking about. What the fuck? How can you possibly have the world's leading strength conditioning certification that's on pre-sale for its first ever launch? Yeah. Fuck you. That's bullshit. And no one, no one wants to call this out. Oh, fuck, don't, don't, you know, rock the boat. Well, fuck the boat. The boat's fucking broken. Can you, can you take a screenshot of that and send it through? I've seen that one in my jet. It's popped up on my gram a couple of times. Yeah, I know which one. World's leading yeah. strength conditioning certification. The guy's a fucking power lifter. It's not strength and conditioning. Mm. I, I doubt he's teaching ESD. I fucking doubt it. <laughs> I really fucking doubt it. Look, respect. Okay. Respect for... Martin Boucher may be on it. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know that. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, are you going to be signing up? Are you signing up for it? Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> Powerlifting certification. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It's also three hundred dollars. Oh, what world league bargain? That's a bargain. It's a bargain. Get it. Fuck you. This shit. <laughs> no. But the only the only way you fix the boat and change and raise the standards is by not standing for mediocrity. And so respect. <laughs> you froze there, but. You sounded like you, you said thank you. The passion is still there. <laughs> I'm standing up when I can. 
Yeah, I did. I I did. I have made a post. I've asked them. Look, surely you shouldn't be borrowing Seb Orem's accolades that he's achieved in other areas, and now saying it's a world leading strength and conditioning certification. He may be one of the world's best powerlifters. He may have worked with the world's strongest man, but you don't borrow the fucking world leading and apply it to something that isn't true. It's fucking unethical. And that's clean health. That's one of the biggest fucking providers of Cert 3, Cert 4, and personal training education worldwide. Fuck you guys. Done. Do you reckon, do you reckon these, these, do you reckon these uh, organizations and corporations, whether it's the, the big ones or uh, what we're talking about at the moment, do you reckon they they genuinely believe in their product and their service? Do you reckon that they think, you know what, this is this is brilliant? Or do you reckon they're just like, mate, we're gonna we're gonna sign up as many of these sucks as possible? Do you reckon it's a genuine mistake or do you reckon they're they're just trying to take advantage of, of the industry? Well, I can't I can't make a call on that because I don't know what, what Dane's motivations are. I, mm. I honestly don't know. So I can't make a call. Mm. I can only hope, um, knowing that I knew Dane before he was a big dog at Fitness First and Leonard's. Um, I can only hope that his intentions are sound and 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 purposeful, but the marketing tells me a different story because I don't know how anyone how that got through the marketing team and and passed the board and whatever. Yeah. And I don't even know how Seb wants to stand behind that. How can how can Seb want to stand behind that? And this is all part of the problem. It's all part of the bullshit facade of this industry that. Everything's easy. You can be be a world leading strength and conditioning coach for three hundred dollars. Fuck it, it's bullshit. It's it's bad, and that's on fucking record. You can release. But that this shit. is how you help change it by calling guys that have, like you. Guys, no, you guys aren't small. You guys don't have. You guys have a lot to lose, right? So to stand on your own two feet like this, and for all of us to do that, um, there are stakes involved. It's high stakes, but you've yeah. got to play the game and if you want to change it. Yeah, skin in the game. You can, you can only facilitate change with skin in the game. Exactly. Look, I'm going to leave it there. You guys have been awesome. Um, I really appreciate and love all you guys for, for doing this continually and, and helping start these conversations. And, and, and one week, one every time we do this, just raising the bar every time. So it's an honor and pleasure to do this again and again. Um, thank you, guys. Pleasure. Uh, thank you. Let's get back to work. See you guys. Done. Webinar Wednesday. Boom. Here it is. Every Wednesday, we talk to a new coach in this industry or a set of coaches. This is the third coaches roundtable, the third one. So if you guys want to know more, go to orphiceducation.com forward slash webinar dash wednesday and you're going to see all the past guests all the upcoming guests we've had and we will have we had for example uh michael boyle last week og in the strength conditioning game we've done this three times with these guys um including Lockie Wilmot, who couldn't make it on today but um and christian woodford as well who couldn't make it on today but uh if you want to hear our last previous conversations with them then highly recommend you go check the, the older ones out we have Durham McKinnis, Jacob Toba, Jamie Smith, and Charlie Athanasi from Strength Culture um, and Core Advantage on next week, which is going to be an amazing conversation. Um, and we're going to keep it going. 
week after week after week. If you guys want to be informed of the next ones, just put your name and email in there and we'll email you when they're happening. They're on YouTube, they're on Spotify, they're on all podcast platforms, so you can listen to them anytime, anywhere. And if you don't know, if you didn't gather from our conversation, especially at the end, which I really, really respect Carl and Lockie for being able to go on record and stand for something um, and not be afraid, kind of reminded me of Christian. Christian's the guy who heals. Christian Woodford is the guy who'll stand on his two feet and he'll call out the BS. And imagine if more of us did that. Imagine if we could all work together and we could all stand together against mediocrity, against lies and facades and all the BS that consumes the industry. Not just an industry, but it's a character trait. Are you willing to stand for what you believe in? Even though you might get backlash. Even though you might ruffle some feathers. Even though it's going to be uncomfortable. And so that is inspiring to hear and see. And I hope it inspires some of you guys to do the same. I'm Alexander Emanuel. We're Elphic Education. We deliver certificate 3s and 4s in fitness. And we don't even call ourselves, well, in my opinion, I, I believe we are delivering one of the best certifications. But we didn't just start delivering it. We've been doing it for years and we're continually refining, revamping, and it's the, the future is very exciting for what we have. So if you know somebody or you are somebody who is serious about becoming a personal trainer or strength and conditioning coach, and perhaps want to see a long-term future in it, and are not just looking for a quick course or a cheap course, and you want to be great rather than good or mediocre, then we might be a good fit for you. See you next week.